You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. orchestrated everything in our lives. Have you discovered it yet? Have you discovered what God has orchestrated for you? He's up there playing this beautifully melody. It's on you, on you. And he's going, oh, this is great. Look at this. Discover this. Find this out. Oh, my, I have this plan. Now get a little out of here. Oh, get a little softer there. Let's let the drums come in. You know, God is doing all that. He's doing it in your life. He's doing such a wonderful work in your life. Are you aware of it? Do you have spiritual eyes to see it? While some are luckier than others, going about life with no real focus or plan can leave one feeling hopeless or without purpose. Thankfully, as believers, every bit of our lives have purpose in the Lord. In today's message, Pastor Dave will encourage you to reflect on how the Lord is orchestrating things in your life. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 11. As he continues his message, Jesus confounds his disciples. You are This is what Jesus is doing right here. He's orchestrating everything, every event. He's orchestrating every event. And every now and then, he shows up. It's almost like he goes in with a pole and he pokes the Pharisees. Bang, bang, bang. Then he runs away. He goes away. Then they get all mad and they got all hot and bothered and they get real angry. And then he shows up again. Hi, guys. And he runs away. And this is building and building and building. He knows. He knows that when he goes to Bethany, is it. He knows when he goes to Bethany, it's it. And he's waiting those two days. Remember, everything is on a timetable. Everything is on a God's timetable. Jesus knows that it has to be exactly 483 years after Artaxerxes gave the, the call and wrote the letter for the, for the wall to be built in Jerusalem to Nehemiah. Jesus knows that it's just about that time. And on that exact day, on that exact moment, on that exact Sunday morning, Jesus will ride into Jerusalem. They call it the triumphant entry. We call it Palm Sunday. Jesus knew it wasn't going to happen before then, and it certainly wasn't going to happen after then. It would happen just at that time. Why? He knew that he was the Passover lamb. He knew that that would be Passover and he would be the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. He knew that he, that was his role. John the Baptist knew it. Behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John the Baptist knew it. John claimed that there he is. Jesus knew it. He knew that everything had to work according to that plan. It was God's timing. It was God's timetable and he was walking in it. So what does he mean when he says, are there not 12 hours in a day? Look at verses 9 and 10. Jesus answered and said, are there not 12 hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. What's he talking about here? Well, he's referring to an appointed time that God has. He knew that as long as he walked in the Father's obedience, as long as he walked in the Father's will, nothing could come near him. 
Nothing would befall him. Nothing would happen. He knew the Father's timetable. What a wonderful example it is for us. This is a great example for us, and we should look into it a little bit more. It applies to every one of us. What does it say? That God has an appointed time for each of us. There is an appointed time for each of us. And if we walk in the light, walk in obedience, in the place and that appointment that he has, and we do what he sent us to do, nothing can stop him. Nothing can stop it. Nothing can come against you if you're walking in God's light. Now, if we walk in the darkness, we're going to stumble and fumble all around. I get up in the middle of the night, and I'm hitting dog cages. I'm hitting shoes. I'm hitting bedposts. I'm hitting everything around in the world. I stumble around. But in the daytime, you see those things. I mean, that's what he's saying here. I'm walking at the appointed time of my life. I'm walking in the day, and as long as I'm walking, breathing, and talking, I'm going to do the Father's business. And you know what? goes for us too, doesn't it? As long as we're breathing, as long as we have breath. Mark prayed this morning. I think they say, let, he always says, let every breath praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. As long as I have breath, I will praise the Lord. As long as I am alive, I will serve him. As long as he continues to use me in any fashion, I will do it. As long as it's daytime. The night will come. The night will come. Jesus knows that the night's coming. He knows that he will be cut off. He knows, according to Daniel's prophecy, that the, on the 69th year, the Messiah will be cut off. He knows that that's going to happen. He knows he's going to the cross. But remember, his face is like a flint right towards that cross. And he's orchestrating everything to lead to that point. Everything is orchestrated, just like in our lives. God has orchestrated everything in our lives. Have you discovered it yet? Have you discovered what God has orchestrated for you? He's up there playing this beautifully melody. It's on you, on you. And he's going, oh, this is great. Look at this. Discover this. Find this out. Oh, I have this plan. Now get a little out of here. Oh, get a little softer there. Let's let the drums come in. You know, God is doing all that. He's doing it in your life. He's doing such a wonderful work in your life. Are you aware of it? Do you have spiritual eyes to see it? And there you're going, I can't wait. Come on, God, let's go. Let's do it again. It's so wonderful. Every day you wake up, you... A great big breath, God has sustained you through a night. And he's given you another day to worship him, another day to praise him, another day to say, thank you, Jesus. Now, some of you are thinking probably, what are you, nuts? I'm going through one of the most hardest times I've ever been through in my life. That's when you pray him all the more. That's when you praise him more. That's when you declare his worth more. That's when you stand up, be steadfast and immovable. That's when you walk forward and say, my God is strong. I serve a big God. My God is strong. He can take care of it. He can take care of it. We walk in obedience to him. Our times are appointed. The psalmist said in 31.15, our times are in his hands. In 90 verse 12, help us to number our days that we shall walk in the ways that please the Lord. Are there not 12 hours of the day? What he's saying? He says, true of me. I'm walking in God's appointed time. Remember? What did he say? I repeat it all the time. I only do the things that the Father is doing. I only say the things the Father is saying. He was walking in the appointed time of God. What do we say? I only do the things that the Spirit is telling me to do. I only do the things that the Spirit is saying. I open my mouth and the Spirit speaks. I'm following Jesus the best I can. I'm submitted to Him. I surrender. I surrender to you, Lord. When we walk outside of God's will, 
When we get away from God's will, when we start not trusting in God's will, when I start trusting in my own abilities, well, that's when you hit the dog cage in the middle of the night. That's, that's when you trip over a shoe or you hit your big toe on the post of the bed because you're stumbling in the dark when you're not following Christ. You're not following the light. That's when that happens. Jesus isn't done confounding. <laughs> now he wants to confound the disciples one more time. He wants to confound them on their view of death. He wants to confound them on their view of death. Let's listen. Let's read 11 through 14. These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was speaking about taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Wow. Now, what's he saying here? Now, I think we can glean something from this when we look at that. He's saying that there's a difference between what happens to a child of God when he dies and what happens to a non-believer when he dies. The Bible calls it sleep. It's everywhere in the Bible you can look. It's all the time about sleep. Look, look at the Old Testament. Abraham died and he slept with his fathers. This person died and slept with his fathers, and et cetera, et cetera. They called it sleep. Jarius' daughter, remember Jarius' daughter that Jesus healed? What did he say of her? She's not dead. She's sleeping. And all the, guys, all the mourners said, you were crazy. Paul, writing to the Thessalonians, said this, Now concerning those that are asleep in Christ, those that are asleep in Christ, I write you that you don't sorrow as those who don't have hope. It was a term that was used for death. And in order that we might distinguish, though, the difference between a believer and a non-believer as far as death is concerned, the believer term is sleep, and it's often used. So Jesus says of Lazarus, he's sleeping. Now, the disciples, on the other hand, are always thinking physically. They're never thinking spiritually. And they get confounded easily. They go, wait a minute. If he's sleeping, let him sleep. He'll get better, right? You got a cold? You go to bed. Take sleep. Take some NyQuil. Get some good night's sleep. You'll get better. That's what he's saying. That's what they're saying to him. Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. So Jesus had to turn him and go, Lazarus is dead. He had to make it clear to them. Our friend Lazarus is dead. And they're like, what? He just said he was asleep. You can see their minds. They have no idea what's going on right now. They said, like, what are you doing, Lord? I'm so confused. What's going on? He says, well, that's going to confuse you. Wait till you hear the thing I'm going to say next. He says in verse 15, Jesus says, and I'm glad for your sake that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Now the disciples go, what? You're glad? You're glad your dear friend died? Oh, Lord, now we're on thin grass. I don't know what we're talking about. Thin grass. Did I just say thin grass? <laughs> I just said thin grass. I don't you know what the heck. It was thin. I don't know. Whatever it is we're on, which thin, guys. I don't know what it is. But he's, these guys are like, what? What's wrong with you? What do you mean you're glad? It's a time of mourning. It's a time of hopelessness. It's a time of despair. Your buddy, remember, whom you love died. What is wrong with you? It's, I'm glad. I could just see Peter, John, we got to talk to this guy. 
John, man. He likes you the best. Go talk to him. <laughs> it was for your sakes. It must have blown their minds. They must have like, whoa, wait a minute, Jesus. You know, last night, you know, we had some of that hay in there. Did you smoke some of that stuff? Man, that's crazy, man. He delayed his going to Bethany for their sakes. He didn't go to Lazarus' bedside because it was for their sakes. Why? So that they would believe. So that they would believe. Sometimes God doesn't come to your side. God doesn't come to your bedside. God doesn't answer your prayers. God doesn't show up immediately when you pray so that you will believe, so that you will have faith. What is it that Jesus is looking for when he comes to the earth? Faith. Will I find faith, he says. Will I find faith? Will they believe? Jesus told his disciples that he delayed going there in order that their faith might be strengthened today. And though they didn't understand it, they probably again were filled with doubt. They were probably filled with questions because they couldn't understand this thing. And they waited hours and hours anxiously that God would do this mighty work. So he says to his disciples, it's better for you that I didn't go. It's for your sake. Any delay in God's answers to our prayers is for our sake. Don't take offense when God doesn't answer your prayer directly. Don't think he's not working. Don't think he hasn't heard you. And don't think he's cast you aside. What did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? Are you a child of God? Are you praying to him? Then don't worry about it. God has heard it. And God will do things in his time. And there's a true lesson here in these verses. And I want to tell you how many times I have cried out to the Lord. Things are bad and they can't get any worse, can they? Lord, help me. And no answer comes. And it's hard. It's hard to believe. And it's hard to wait. But I am gradually learning at the process to, that there's a never end of the story. It's never over until God says it's over. It's never completed until God says it's completed. And speaking of completion, if he began the work in me, he's going to complete the work. So I have to rely and trust in him. I can't give up now. He doesn't answer one prayer. That's it, God, I'm done. What? Where was your faith? Where was your faith? What did Isaiah say? Lord, my thoughts are not like your thoughts. My, my ideas are not your ideas. My ways are not like your ways. It's so difficult. But remember what we said before. God is sovereign. So you need to reconcile the sovereignty of God. Everything God does, he does with a purpose. He's not a man that he would act like a man. There are dimensions to the problems which he sees that we don't see. There are intricacies to the problem that he looks at and he sees and wants to correct and do. We don't see those sometimes until after the fact. There are possibilities and opportunities in every situation that we don't even dream of or conceived of. And sometimes, I said it before, you're going through something that's not even for you. It might be for someone else. It might be for someone else. It might be for your spouse, your child, a worker, a neighbor, whatever. You're going through something that's not even for you. God is using that to draw that person that he's working on closer to him. And he's using you. He's using you. So we wait quietly, trusting and knowing that God works all things together for good. For those that love him are the called according to his purpose. God works all things together for good. Praise God. Thank you. He worked my sin together for good. 
He works all things together for good. Not that I go out and sin more, that grace may abound, heaven forbid. God works all things together for good. Then Thomas, in verse 16, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go that we may die with him. Oh, Thomas. Oh, Thomas, my buddy Thomas. Let's go up so we can die. Oh, my. Mr. Gloom and Doom, Mr. Hopeless Thomas. Oh, my gosh. I'm not going to give up, though. I'm going to be a Christian to the end, but it looks like it's not too far away. Come on, guys. We're going to go with them. We're going to die. Oh, my. Thomas had always had trouble with everything Jesus said. You can call him a doubter. You can call him a skeptic. You can call him anything you want. But there's an interesting point here, and I read this in one of the commentaries I wrote. Thomas is called the twin, Didymus. Didymus in Hebrew, the twin. And everybody wants to know, where's Thomas's twin? Take a mirror and look into it. There's Thomas's twin looking back at you. Don't sit there and fib to me that you've never acted like Thomas. Now, come on. Don't sit there and tell me, oh, I've never acted like Thomas. Oh, wait a minute. I'm, I'm standing back because I don't know how big that nose will get. <laughs> you want to see Thomas's twin? Look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. But his attitude here is the one that Jesus was hoping to cure. Jesus was trying to strengthen Thomas's faith. He was trying to get Thomas to the pinnacle where he would believe. And we know that he eventually does come around to that point, but it takes a long time for poor Thomas. It takes a long time, and he gets a bad rap. He really gets a bad rap. And as we read this account, John is trying to encourage us because really, if you think about it, this remark of Thomas is a step of faith. It's courage. We're going to die with him. Okay, you're going to go and die with him. I love that about Thomas. This has endeared me to Thomas. I used to always think, Tom, come on, man. But here Thomas says, we're going to go with him. We're going to die with him. And that's courage. Come on, guys. We'll catch up, Thomas. You go ahead. Go ahead. It's all right. We'll catch up. He was resigned to the fact that we're going to go with him. We're going to die. Isn't it so true that this is how my faith is so many times? My faith is just like this so many times. I can't believe that God is working. I can't believe he's doing it because it's not logical to the situation. I feel like Mr. Spock. It is not logical. I feel like Spock. There's no logic there. God is doing something completely out of the box, completely different than what I thought would happen. I don't understand it. And the incredible arrogance of my mind. How dare I accuse God of not acting accordingly? How dare I say, God, you're not supposed to act like that. Well, what is God supposed to act like? What is he supposed to act like? In my own thoughts, in my own mind, my infinite, my finite, my infinite mind here. Oh, but you know what I found out? God never fails me. He never ceases to amaze me. And just when you think all is lost, he's right there. He's right there. Now he gives us answers, and the answer might not be the one you want. It might not turn out the way you think it's supposed to turn out. But if you're truly following God, if you're truly following Jesus Christ, if you truly surrender, I surrender, Lord, if you're truly at that place, it's not my will, it's your will, Lord. And his will might be completely different than what you thought it would be. 
Don't be confounded. Don't be confounded. Let this strengthen your faith because God is working mightily in your life. God has a mighty work to do and he's using you, he's using me, he's using this church to do his work. He is building the body up for the work of the ministry. You hear teaching after teaching, whether it be on Sunday, Sunday morning, Monday evening and Freedom Through Christ, Wednesday night, Bible studies for the women, Bible studies for the men. You hear teaching for the building up of the body for the work of the ministry. And we keep saying, let's take the gospel outside these walls. That's one of the ideas of the Thanksgiving dinner. We're going to open our doors and get people in here. And when they're here, they're ours. We're going to talk about Christ. We're going to show them Jesus Christ, and we're going to talk about those things. Let's get out of there. Everywhere, God is everywhere, and Scripture drives me back to believing in His Word, trusting in His Word, knowing that His Word will never fail, knowing that His Word is pure and true, and there's nothing inerrant about it, that it's infallible, that it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's God's breathed Word. It's his true word, and we have it before us in this fashion. And we should glean from it, read from it, meditate on it, chew on it, swallow it, do anything we need to do to absorb it and let it have its way in us. That's what we need to do. And that's what the disciples couldn't do because they were so confounded. Don't be confounded when God acts. Don't be confounded. Don't be surprised. You know, sometimes I say that we say things like that. Something will happen in a wonderful thing and we'll go, I can't believe God did that. What? What do you mean you can't believe God did that? Believe. Have faith. God is doing a mighty work in each and every one of you. And if you're here today, which you are, he's not done. He's not finished with you. He has an appointed time. Yes, he does but he's not finished. Look to him. We can't understand his delays, folks, but we can't question him, and we certainly can't lose faith when they happen. Always fall back that God loves you. He has loved you with an everlasting love and will continue to pour that love out upon you, continue to pour that grace out upon you for all eternity all eternity. Because when we go to sleep, when we close our eyes in this continuum and we awaken our eyes in glory, in heaven, and we see him face to face, oh my goodness, wow. And all will be sighted, all will be done. And what we're going to do for a trillion billion years is just worship him and sing his glory and sing his praise. Oh my goodness, I get goosebumps thinking about it. Wow. But as long as he has you here, there's work to do. And he's called you. He's called me to come together for such a time as this, to go forth with a message that God is love, and that his son Jesus Christ died and rose again. And we need to get that message out. Simple gospel. Simple gospel message. Amen. You are a sure.
The Gospel of John was written from a perspective that provides an eyewitness account of what happened during the life of Jesus here on earth. Different than the other three Gospels, John's book describes Jesus in ways that confirm him as the Son of God. There are things done and said that can only point to Jesus being far more powerful than what a human could do. In the Old Testament, God referred to himself as, I am. In this book, John recounts how Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I am the resurrection and the life. These were bold statements, but Jesus proved throughout his ministry that they were indeed true. He lived a life that compelled people to follow at that time, to seek him out, and to commit their lives. And we can also follow him today. If you missed any part of today's teaching, or you'd like to listen to additional messages from Pastor Dave, visit assurehoperadio.com. Perhaps you were listening, you realized that you have some questions about faith, and maybe even about salvation. We'd be happy to talk with you and provide some resources to answer your questions. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. You can also click on the Jesus tab at assurehoperadio.com. This will provide you with a succinct picture of who Jesus is and how he can change your life. Thank you again for taking the time to learn about God's word today. We hope you'll join us again next time on Assure Hope.